Elisha said to Ahab, the king of Israel, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the Lord said to Elisha, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with bread and meat in the morning and in the evening there. So he went and did as the Lord had directed him. After a long time, in the third year, the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, that Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. The prophets of Baal prepared their bowl and put it on the wood. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no answer. So they danced around the altar. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. They shouted louder. Midday passed, and finally came to the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he began to prepare an altar. He took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, and built an altar in the name of the Lord. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Elijah ordered them to do this three times. Then the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and you have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, again, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and even the soil. 
All right, we're continuing our uh, summer series in uh, the story, and uh, this is chapter 15. If you're uh, if you've dusted off your book at home and following along, uh, talking about the messengers, those people called prophets. Uh, last week, Pastor Andrew did an incredibly good job of. Uh, Explaining to us the the, uh, the kings after uh, Solomon, right, and the split of the kingdoms in the north, uh, in the south, and uh, one of the things he ended with was telling us about uh, the report card, right? That ultimately the Bible gave a report card to each of the kings, right? So I'm going to try to keep the analogy going, all right? Uh, and as we turn to prophets this day, you know, when you get that report card. Uh, the grade you ultimately get shouldn't be a surprise, right? Because all the way along, you were getting your papers back, and on every paper you got back, you got a grade, right? You got a grade. And then somewhere in the middle of all that, somewhere in the middle of all that, there was this experience called the Parent-Teacher Conference. Remember that? Sure, Parent-Teacher Conference, and of course... Uh, you as a student were probably very nervous about the parent-teacher conference because what would happen in that conference? Well, truth would happen, right? <laughs> the teacher would comment on not just the grade, but your overall performance and attitude and behavior and all that kind of stuff. Or have you, have you just kind of blacked all that out in growing up? But that's the way it went, right? Yeah, so ultimately the report card shouldn't be a surprise because there was truth going on in the middle of the experience itself. And that's the same during this period uh, of the kings, that there is some truth going on uh, in the experience itself. And that truth is God's truth, and it is brought to the experience by these people called prophets. Prophets. In uh, the Old Testament, there are three Hebrew words uh, for the word prophet. And they each kind of tell us something about these, these folks, these prophets, right? Uh, the two of the words there basically may mean the same thing, uh, to see, gaze, or look upon. In fact, if you look at some of the modern translations, uh, they will get to the, the, uh, one of those Hebrew words, and they won't, they won't translate it with, with the word prophet. Instead, they'll translate it with the word seer, right? Have you ever noticed that? They'll just say the word seer, right? Well, what's going on? Well, a lot of us think about that and think, oh, yeah, well, they could predict the future and all that. Well, yeah, they did some of that. They did some prophecies about the future and, and everything. But that's really not what, what the word is about. What the prophets did is they could look at the situation of life, but when they looked at that, they looked at it and they saw it through God's perspective. They were seers. That is, they could look at the experience that was going on in the nation or look at the experience that was going on in the life of the king and they could look at that experience and bring to bear God's truth. They could see the experience from God's perspective and speak into that reality right, into the everyday reality of what was going on, they could see that, interpret it, and speak God's truth into that reality. That is great news. If you think about that, that's really great news for us even today because what it means is God has a desire to speak into your life 
wherever your life is, whatever's going on in your life, whatever the reality of your life is right now, God in His nature has a practice of being able to look at your life, see into your life, and be able to bring truth to bear in that experience. That's just what the prophets did. The prophets spoke truth into the reality of the experience of the nation or the king or the folks, God's chosen people, right? That's what they did. Now, the third word that's used, uh, it's used over 300 times, uh, means called, right? Uh, And these weren't folks that decided to just start speaking the word of the Lord, right? No, these were folks that uh, God called, that God intentionally chose, Uh, They were hand-picked people. They were folks that God put his hand on and chose them. That they were going about their everyday life experience, and God stepped into their life and just kind of put his hand on them and said, your life now belongs to me. It's no longer your own. So you may remember uh, some while ago we preached a series on Elijah, and Elisha was just plowing in his field, right? He came from a prosperous family, and he's just out there plowing in his field. And Elijah, the prophet, came and just tapped him on the shoulder with his mantle, and Elisha's life changed. Why? Because now his life was not his own. He was called. His life was no longer his own. He was called. Well, that shouldn't surprise us either, right? Because if you've been baptized, if you come to the table, then God reaches into your life. He taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you're no longer your own. You belong to me. You're called. You see the parallels? These prophets were called by God. Now, we get a word in Deuteronomy 18, and this goes way back to Moses, where God forecasts what he is going to do and what these prophets will ultimately do. If you look at Deuteronomy 18, uh, God is speaking, and God says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, where prophets come from. They don't go to school to be a prophet. There were these things called prophet schools, but prophet schools were schools where other people went to listen to the prophet, not to learn how to be a prophet, but to listen to the prophet, the truth the prophet gave. No, prophets just came from within the people, right? Just everyday folks. They were just all kinds of shapes and sizes. Most of them were men. There were a few women, but they were just people, just people in life experience like us. And God puts his hand on them and it says, look, from among the fellow Israelites, I'm going to put my words uh, in their mouth, in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command. What is the prophet going to do? God's going to call him, God's going to touch him, and then God is going to give the prophet his truth. And the prophet's responsibility is just communicate God's truth, to look at the situation from God's perspective and speak into that situation. Speak God's word, God's truth into that situation. He says, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words and the, the, that the prophet speaks in my name. How important are the words that they speak? Really, really significant, right? I mean, it's, it's God's word, right, that, that's being spoken uh, into the truth. And the prophet is equally given warning. He said, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, if they say anything that I've not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. How serious is God about what these people say? 
right? Because the reality is there were false prophets. Ahab had a whole ton of them, and they just told the king whatever he wanted to hear, right? And the truth is, in our day, there's a lot of false prophets out there, right? There's a lot of humanistic false teachings out there, and so you got to be careful. How do we be careful? Well, Deuteronomy 18 has the answer, right? It says, we're not supposed to add to or take away from what God's Word says. The prophet isn't supposed to say anything more or say anything less than what God has to say, right? You may notice here at Christ Church, when Pastor Andrew and I preach, we stay, stay really close to the Word, right? Have you noticed that? We stay really close to just showing you what the Word says. Why? Because we're not here to add to it or take away from it. We're not here so that somehow you go out with the gospel according to Bob or the gospel according to Andrew. No, we're here so you just hear God's truth, right? Because God wants to bring his truth to bear in your life situation, whatever it is. That same principle of the prophets. So who were these folks? Prophets were folks that were just absolutely devoted to God, right? Their life was no longer their own. Uh, They did whatever God wanted them to do. That shouldn't surprise us if you're a Christ follower, right? Uh, Jeremiah, for instance, God told him, Jeremiah, uh, you're not going to get married. Just don't want you to do that. You're just not going to get married. Hosea, the prophet, God told him, yep, you're going to get married, but I want you to marry a prostitute. Part of the message, part of what you got to do for me, right? His life wasn't his own. He didn't get to choose, right? You just follow wherever God was leading, right? So they're absolutely devoted to God. They were absolutely chosen by God, right? They didn't go to go to kindergarten and, uh, you know, when they stood up there and said, and what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I would like to be a prophet. Didn't work that way, right? Didn't work that way. No, it was God's idea. God picked them. God put his hand on them, right? And the responsibility was to be God's mouthpiece. That's why 350 times or more, when you look at the words of the prophets, you'll see a phrase like this, something like this one or something like this one. This is what the Lord says. They just kind of lay it out and say, look, this is God's truth coming to bear in this life situation or this situation of the nation or this situation uh, of the king. And so ultimately... The prophets were foretellers, not just foretellers, right? Predicting things that were coming in the future or maybe way far into the future, but they were foretellers. That is, they just brought truth, God's truth, and communicated it into life's situation. Now, they did that in a lot of ways, right? Uh, Some of them wandered around just proclaiming and teaching and proclaiming and teaching. Uh, Others did it through songs. Some of them wrote poems. I mean, they they took every opportunity they could to try to communicate uh, God's truth, right? Feel familiar? We try to do that around here. So we put somebody in a chair and have them read the story, right? Just anything to get you to listen to and take in uh, God's story, right? Here's some I, I picked out for you just to show you how far they'd go. Um, so the prophet Isaiah, he preached stripped and barefoot for three years. Maybe a loincloth was involved. Not so sure about that, right? But that would that would that kind of get your attention? <laughs> a naked guy talking about the Lord. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, we're not going to do that here. But anyway, uh, that'd be that'd be ugly if I'm up here. Anyway. Whew. Uh, and uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he walked around with, with an oxen uh, yoke uh, on his back until one of the prophets of Baal got all fed up with it and broke his yoke, 
right? Can you imagine that? Broke his yoke. Uh, and then Ezekiel, Ezekiel laid on his side, uh, on his left side, for 390 days in a row. Just laid there. 390 days in a row. And then he flipped over to his right side for 40 days. Can you imagine how he's kind of sagging after 390 days on the, on the one side? But, you know, they just wanted to communicate, however they could, God's truth into the everyday circumstance of God's people. Right? They just wanted to communicate. And the New Testament understands that about the prophets. And it understands the principle around our needing to to do that, right? To receive that into, into our life. It says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So prophets were these incredible people that just could see the context of life from God's perspective and bring God's truth into that reality and the influence of God. Why is that? Because the prophets showed us God's nature. In their preaching, in their teaching, in these crazy things that they did, what what they did is they tried to show us God's nature. And so... You can go to this experience Brian just read here in 1 Kings. This was a pinnacle, pinnacle experience in the prophet Elijah's uh, life, the battle with the prophets of Baal. I mean, a huge pinnacle, pinnacle experience, right? But notice in 1 Kings 18, notice the purpose of the experience. Notice the bottom line of, of what God is trying to do through this prophet. At the usual time for offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that is, is by your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me. Now here it is. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, one, and two, and that you have brought them what? Back. Brought them back. What did the prophet just show us? Well, not, not just the incredible truth that God is God, but also God's heart, God's desire, God's, God's nature. He wants us. He desires us. And, and when we wander, He wants us back. And we wander, don't we? I mean, from little on. And adults, we wander. I mean, Jill and I, when our kids were growing up, you know, and you take them to the, you take them to Kohl's or wherever to the the mall, and man, you had to really watch them unless we finally got smart and put them on a leash, right? Remember that? Come on, you do you still do that? I don't know. I haven't been dead for a while like that, right? But remember, we had the thing that wrapped around their wrists. Okay, we were horrible parents. We put our kids on a leash. I'm sorry. We did. We put them on a leash because they're just like me. They wander. They wander. I'm not a perfect man. I don't always do it right. I wander. I may know what God wants, but I wander. And the prophet speaks into my life situation, and he says, God wants you back. 
He wants you back. So a prophetic word. Some of you are, have wandered. You, you're not. You're not close with Christ. You're not. You're not doing what we just sang. Surrendering your whole life. Stuff's crept in, gotten a hold of you, and you've wandered. Hear the prophetic word. God is real, and He just wants you back. He wants you back. He wants you back so desperately that he would give up his own son so you could come home. The prophets look at life situation and they bring that simple truth of God's nature to bear. The prophets also look at life situation and they speak a truth into that situation that is often a call to repentance. Remember the report card. A lot of kings weren't getting it right in the north, especially and in the south, but especially in the north. And the prophets spoke this word both to the king and to the nation. A word of warning, a word of judgment, and an invitation to turn around. Right? We can see it here in the prophet uh, Jeremiah uh, and God speaking to Jeremiah, why he's supposed to do this. God says, Perhaps they will listen, and each will do what? Turn from their evil ways. You see that? Maybe they'll listen, Jeremiah, to you, and they'll turn from their evil ways. Then I will relent and not inflict on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. Why did God want Jeremiah to preach? To get him to come back and to stop the destructive things they were doing in their life. To repent, turn around, give it up, stop, right? The stuff that's only going to end disastrously, painfully. They wandered. They followed false God, false teachings. And they started simply doing things, living a certain way, acting a certain way, thinking a certain way, being a certain way that was totally contrary to what it means to belong and be God's chosen people. And God is saying, turn around. Stop going in that direction. Turn around and come back. And the prophets spoke that truth, sometimes harshly, into people's lives. So let me speak a prophetic word. You ready? Some of you, some of you just need to stop. Because you're living in some ways and doing some things that are contrary to God's word. And you just need to stop. You need to turn back to him. You need to just trust him and start living once again his way. And the good news is, the good news is we can do that because we also know the prophet's pointed to a Messiah, a person that was going to come, a person that was going to be the way for each one of us to come back home and get right with God, the person who was going to be the way to give us the strength to just stop those things that take us away from Him, to be that person, that bridge that brings us back into that ongoing, incredible relationship with God. The prophets spoke about him over and over and over again. And we, we get the privilege of knowing his name. 
We know who He is. We know what He accomplished for each one of us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so you look in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, especially Matthew, over and over and over and over again, as Jesus is doing His ministry over and over and over again, Matthew keeps saying, and this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, he kept pointing us, Jesus, He's the one. He's the one. He's the one the prophets spoke about. And He's the one that gives us the opportunity to come back. You look in Matthew 5, Jesus affirms the prophets. He affirms all that word. He takes on to Himself all of that word. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or who? The prophets, right? I have not come to abolish them, but to do what? Fulfill them, right? He is the fulfillment. He's the one that makes it possible for you, for me, when I wander, to come back. He makes it possible for you, for me, when I just start acting and living in ways that are contrary to God. I can just repent. I can stop. I can turn around. I can get rights. He is possible. And he is the fulfillment of everything the prophet said. Jeremiah, Jeremiah captures this, this fire of that truth for him as God was speaking. He says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. We get a great prophetic word today. God wants us back. He he empowers us to know forgiveness and just stop doing some things. And to get our life back and right. Now here's the other truth. We're called, if we're Christ followers, we're called, we're chosen, and we carry God's truth not just into our life situation, but the situation of others. You see, here's the hard part. The hard part is if we receive this prophetic word this morning and say, wow, that is fantastic. God's prophetic word is still true in my life. He wants me back. I can know forgiveness. I can stop living this way. I can turn around and start living that way. This all happens for me because of Christ. I don't deserve it, but he gives it to me as an incredible free gift. If we take all of that and believe all that prophetic word this morning, then it also puts us in a position of being a prophet. Because we know an incredible truth. And that truth needs to be spoken into other people's lives. And just like Jeremiah, if we receive that, it becomes something that burns in our souls. It becomes that fire that drives us out into other people's lives. I'm not suggesting any of you start taking your clothes off and walk around naked for three years, okay? But, but, We need to think about how do we speak the truth in love, incredible love and compassion. How do we speak the truth in love and compassion to other people? So I want to give you some suggestions this morning as we wrap up on the the prophets, right? Uh, And uh, one of them, I didn't get up on the screen, but uh, Holy Spirit word for you too. Okay, you ready? First of all, Try to find a Christ follower in your life who will speak truth to you. 
Doesn't always happen, right? Politically correct and all that stuff. Find a Christ follower that can hold you accountable and just speak truth to you. You need that in your life, right? Uh, my wife speaks truth to me, right, when I, when I get wandering. <laughs> but you've got to find out who that is. Maybe it's spouse, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's another guy, another woman, whatever. Find somebody in your life that can just be that prophet for you, can be that person that just holds you accountable and speaks truth into your life. Amen, good? That's a good one there. That's price of admission. There you go. Here's some other questions for you. As we looked at the prophets this morning, is God convicting you this morning? A prophetic word this morning, right now into your life situation, based on what you heard. Is God just drilling down into your life situation like those prophets did and just bringing this, this new truth into your life that you need to respond to this morning? Two, is there somebody in your life that you know that you care about that like Jeremiah, that fire now that you've heard, that, that you just need to find a way to articulate a loving and compassionate truth into their life, Right? Somebody at work, somebody in your family. I don't know who it is, but somebody you need to speak truth to about their life. Right? And then three, are you doing what we sang in that song, right? Are you just living in hope? We know our future is secure because the prophet spoke about this Messiah and he's been here, he's lived, he's died, and he has secured our future. And we can live in incredible hope and just let him take over our lives. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Uh, thanks for the word of the prophets uh, and uh, the prophetic words even this morning that we needed to hear. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, help us this morning to receive your word, whatever it is, to speak into our life situation. Because that's what you want. You want to speak that truth to us. And thank you. Thank you that you want us back if we've wandered. Forgive us for our faults and our failures. Help us to live the life you would choose for us and not the one we choose for ourselves. Call us to repentance. Help us to give the, get the strength and the desire to just stop. Start living for you again. And Lord, drive us into the lives of others uh, who are far away from you, that they could come to know you like we do. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we can come to your table now. And in these moments, we can hear you speak to us just like the prophet spoke, that you love us, that you forgive us, and that we are yours. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.